And it's great to have you guys with us today. And um, if you're new with us, we've been looking at a series in the month of October about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. So we call it Ghost Stories. I know you like the, the pun that we use there. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians 5.16 this morning. Galatians 5.16. Um, some of you know the story of the uh, Greek mythological character Icarus. Uh, Icarus had a dad named Daedalus, and he actually made wings for him and his son. And the wings had, you know, some wax with them and different uh, things that attached to them. And they went flying out and they would go fly periodically. And his dad kept warning him. He said, Icarus, don't fly too high. Don't get too close to the sun. But what did Icarus do? We all know the proverbial story. He wanted to get higher and higher and he kept getting higher. And the result of that was he got too close to the sun and the sun melted the wax on his wings. And unfortunately, Icarus fell to his death. And, and I want to share with you today about in our culture, I believe that we kind of have what I would call an Icarus pull to it, where we're all told that we need to be influencers. And we're on, if you're like me on IG and I'm not on TikTok, maybe you're on TikTok or those things and you're just seeing people all the time. And we look at these models of life, what we believe greatness is, like what we believe people, I mean, how many people would take advice from a celebrity just because they act in movies, but not take advice from their parents. <laughs> All the parents said, amen, right? Because we are enamored with a culture that we are called to be great, or there's something great out there for us. And I want to tell you that I believe it's something that, that we, if, if we buy into that wholeheartedly, what's going to happen to us is we're going to misuse the Holy Spirit and misunderstand the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the very Because what I wanted to show you during this series is what is the primary work of the Spirit? I mean, what does the Holy Spirit really want to do in us? And it has not given you a platform. That is, that's the last thing that the Lord is thinking about in our life. I want to show you what he is thinking about. Matter of fact, Paul wrote to the Galatians about this. Now, what's interesting about the book of Galatians is he wrote it in A.D. 48, most scholars believe. But, but, but what they think is this. They think he was on the way to, to the Jerusalem council. Very important for us because this is all about Gentiles. The Jews were like, man, do, do Gentiles have to become Jews to be saved? Like, how much do they have to do of our Torah? There's 613 laws. There's three major feasts that we have to attend that were required in that law. In the Old Testament, we call it their Torah. The law, the prophets, and the Torah. So anyway, they're like, well, what do we have to do? Do they need to be circumcised? If you don't know what that means, and parent, uh, kids, ask your parents after church. You should be in kids' church. So <laughs> great conversation over lunch. I ain't going to talk about it. So Gentiles were like, yeah, so what do we need to do to be saved beyond just faith in Christ? Because if you're like me, me and you gave our life to Christ, well, we're saved, that's great. But the Jews were saying, no, 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 no. You need to do A, B, C, D. I mean, all these lists of rules. And so they had this Jerusalem council, and Paul was like our advocate for the Gentiles, even though he's a Jew. And so, you know, he goes there to help them understand that Gentiles just don't need to do all that. As Jews, feel free. That's our culture. If you feel like that helps you honor God, do it. So he wrote to the, to the, to the Galatians there, he wrote about that very thing. Because there were people who came into the church at Galatia and said, you must be circumcised, dudes, if you're going to be saved. It's like at our Connect gathering next week, we're going to have circumcision. <laughs> you got to do it to be saved. There's no way that you can be fully saved. Like, nobody, nobody's coming to our Connect gatherings, right? 
And they were saying, oh, yeah, and, and by the way, you got to obey the law. And when I said the law, it's not like laws of the land. That's like 613 laws in the Old Testament. That's a heavy weight to bear, right? Works-based religion. And so Paul writes to the church at Galatia primarily to say, number one, time out. And this is, he was actually the harshest in this letter than any letter that he wrote. So if you want to go back and read Galatians, he calls those guys that were coming in and teaching these things that are contrary to the true gospel, he calls them dogs. He says he wished that they would mutilate themselves. Like, like he gets so angry. He says, if anyone, even an angel from heaven, shows up and preaches to you another gospel, let them be accursed. Like he was so angry and serious because it, it was very serious because you, and you'll find out Christianity, we're talking about this, is not just working and obeying laws to be good people. That's not Christianity, and we'll, we'll unpack that. And so he writes to them about the purpose of the Spirit because the Judaizers didn't understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit. All they knew was obey law, do good, try to honor God by being good enough, not understanding the power and purpose of the Spirit. And so in Galatians 5, he starts to unpack this, and he wants to show them um, what the Holy Spirit is called to do in our lives. And he says this, he says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature uh, craves. Remember, before it was the law guiding your life. Let the 613 laws of the Torah guide. Now he's saying, no, 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 Let, let's flip all this. Let the Holy Spirit do it. The sinful nature wants to do what is evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Let me just say this for a second. It's so important. It's not the fact that you, that you have struggles with sin, because we all do. If you think you struggle with sin, and you're feeling right now ashamed, and you're feeling like, man, nobody, we all do. All right? Just go ahead and let's go and level the playing field, number one. But can I tell you one of the things that somebody says how do you know if someone is really saved? I don't really know, because if they confess their mouth and believe their heart and one of the biggest things is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's not the fact you struggle. It's the fact that you're not okay with your struggle. And so if you struggle, that's fine. If you're okay, if you're just okay with sin and it doesn't matter to you and who cares, I, I mean, I, I would in my own humanness want, want to question, do you really have the Holy Spirit living in you? Because the Holy Spirit's like that radar. Do, 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 do. No, 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 no. And pulls you back to center. And so understand that, if, uh, that, again, he gives us desires that are opposite of what the simple nature desires. He says, and those two forces are constantly fighting each other. You're always going to have that fight. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions, right? I mean, there's a lot of times we want to do something good and we don't do it. And that's me too, guys, because you have a sinful nature. He says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses because the Spirit fulfills. The Spirit is greater. That's the new covenant. Verse 19 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Isn't that crazy, quarreling? Like, like, we'll go to town and be like, you're living together before marriage. You're terrible. Rah, rah, rah. And then you go out and you quarrel with everybody and argue with them. But you're cool. You're, oh, yeah, you're, you're good. I'm not getting any amens in the house here today, so I'll just kill it. <laughs> Jealousy, outburst of anger. And it's just okay to go around yelling at people and going off on people and lying and doing all this stuff. And it's just okay to do that? I'll keep going. Because that's something I've struggled with. 
and I've had to work on. And I'll tell you something, man, addiction to anger is something that when you're addicted to anger, it is something that's very serious. That's another sermon for another day. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And then Paul says to them, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life, and what he means is not that, hey, you struggle with an outburst of anger. I do too. Not saying you struggle with impurity. Not saying you struggle with jealousy. But you, if you just live that, that, if that's your lifestyle, then Paul's saying this here. Here's what he says to you and I. Uh, living that sort of life, that lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he zeroes in on what we should be focused on here today. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit, and I love this word, produces. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit producing this. So if you struggle with any of those things, the answer is not just trying harder. And we'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about that, what the answer is. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When the Holy Spirit lives in you, and we'll talk about how to do this, and you yield, you're going to see those things happen in your life. If you're like me, I'm not naturally a gentle, kind person. You may say, oh, no, Pastor. No, it, it has taken the Holy Spirit to do that. My spiritual gift before I got saved was being a jerk, right? And he says this, there is no law against these things. Like, you can't live it. You can't obey laws to become that. You can't obey laws to become kind and gentle. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their simple nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit... Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not be become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. What I want you to understand this morning, as we close out this series on the Holy Spirit, we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit last week, right? Gift, giftings. You're gifted by God, every one of you in here. If you follow Jesus, you're gifted. He gave it to you. Uh, the first week I told you that the Holy Spirit, he doesn't come to give you goosebumps and make you feel good. Now, do you get goosebumps sometimes? Sure. Do you feel good sometimes? Sure. He comes to make us witnesses to the ends of the earth for Christ. That's his work. But today, what I want to share with you is this. Because if you don't get today, the first two messages will not matter at all. Matter of fact, you can't live those messages out if you don't get today and understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do in every one of us in here. And it's this here. If you have your notes, Henny, write this down. The person of the Holy Spirit wants to develop the personality of Christ in us. The person of the Holy Spirit wants to develop the personality of Christ in us. That's the whole goal. Like all those things you saw, goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, all that, love and peace, that's the personality of Christ. And that's why the person of the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Not only to, not only to send us to be witnesses, which is great. Not only to gift us, which is great. But we've got to have his personality. And that's what the Lord wants to do in our hearts. And I said the person of the Holy Spirit, because remember, the Holy Spirit's not it. Not, he's not a force. It's not like the, you know, the, the, the Jedi force or any of that stuff in Star Wars. He is the third person of the Trinity. As we said the first week, God the Father sent the Son to save us from our sins. And then Jesus said, when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is sent to us. And when you accept Christ as your Savior, when you surrender fully to Jesus, say, look, 
I repent. You're my Lord. I surrender. I'm under your control. What then happens, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you at that point. He is inside of you. I don't care if you feel it or not. Because living for Christ is living by faith, not by feelings. And understanding that's the truth of what's happened to you. I didn't feel a thing when I got saved. Nothing. It was a cool experience. Like, it was really neat. I'll go back and think about that, being at the altar and being led to the Lord, um, the sinner's prayer, the youth service and on March 1st, 1999. And I came home and I told my mom, who had walked away from Christ, and she cried and wept and wanted to hug me. I'm like, man, stop hugging me. Like, you're getting crazy. I'm like, I'm fine. I just went to church. Like, I didn't have this, like, oh, oh my God, I feel so good. But what was the truth? The truth was the Holy Spirit dwelt inside of me. And so what I want to do is I want you to understand this. I mean, um, you see me on a, on a platform for 30 minutes a week. Um, you know me as your lead pastor. But I want you to understand that what I'm preaching to you today is what I pursue every day. And it's the personality of Christ in me. It's not preaching from a platform. Because if I can't develop the personality of Christ in me, I have no, this right here is nothing. Paul says, you preach to others, then you yourself are disqualified, right? And so I want to unpack that for you today. And, and Paul writes to his protege in, in 2 Timothy 3, he's, in verse 1, he says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be very boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. It sounds like we're, we're the days we're living in, right? They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. And this is what I want you to draw your attention to here. Because all of that, we're like, oh, yeah, man, that evil world out there. Ah, world's so evil. Let me stay hidden in my home. This is all for us in here today, though. Verse 5 says this. They will act religious. They're going to come to church. They're going to subscribe to, hey, yeah, sure, I follow Jesus too. They act religious. They do religious things, right? But they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. That they will reject the very power that will make them godly. Religious people have no intent on becoming godly. They have no intent on the personality of Christ being developed in them. They excuse all of their actions. And deep inside, they're not surrendering to the Holy Spirit. It's not the scriptures they're opening up and they're saying, Lord, speak to my heart. They're not worshiping. They're just busy trying to do good things, obey some laws, and check off checklists, going through the motions. And they reject the very power that can make them godly. Do you know the power of what can make you godly? It's the Holy Spirit living in you. And God is not interested in you just being a good person. He wants you to be godly. You can be good without being godly. Do you know that? My grandfather, before he got saved, was the most moral man on earth. And his argument to my grandmother was, love, esteem, why do I got to go to church? I'm, I'm as good as anybody in that church. His own morality kept him from Christ. He was good, but he wasn't godly. And he eventually surrendered his life to Jesus and followed wholeheartedly. In the same way, I want you to understand, that is what... The, the, the crux of the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is make you godly. And I know some of you are sitting here thinking, man, i got a long ways to go, Kev. Like, whew, that's a big ask. 
because I'm just not sure I can get there. And can I tell you, you can never get there on your own. And it will take time over time over time. The more you surrender to the Holy Spirit, the more that you read the scriptures and you worship, over time, he begins to produce those things in you. And you look at yourself and you'll look back and people look at you and say, you're so different than you used to be. You used not to be this way, peaceful. How are you so full of peace? It's the Holy Spirit within you. And, and I want you to understand this here and write this down because here's the problem that we have, as I alluded to earlier. We live in a culture where everyone wants to be great, but no one wants to be godly. Um, even in the celebrity, you know, we talk about celebrity Christians and celebrity pastors. Can I tell you, you know, who created celebrity pastors? We did. They didn't create it. But that's what we idolize. And maybe you're not in this generation where you're on, you know, on the platforms watching all the guys, you know, with, with the really cool Nikes and they're, they're you know, got $5,000, you know, designer clothes they're wearing on stage each week, something different. But maybe you grew up in the era was, was televangelist. With golden toilet, toilet bowls, it's real. And personal airplanes and multi-million dollar houses. We are often fooled that people who have the greatest platforms have the greatest purpose. And can I tell you, I have met people with great platforms and they, do not, they did not have the personality of Jesus Christ. I have seen the dark side of the music industry of Christianity. I've seen the dark side of the mega church in Christianity. And when you see that, you understand that at the end of the day, we have created a culture where we idolize these people who have great platforms. And then what we do, we think if I could only get there and have purpose like them, then I would really be fulfilled in life. Can I tell you, you're most fulfilled when you're most godly. When you're, when you're following Jesus, when you're seeking him, you're most fulfilled. That when you, maybe it's you, I said, outburst of anger, you're like, oh, yeah, I got that issue. And when the Lord begins to do that, work in your heart through the Holy Spirit and nail that down, man, that's when you feel the best. It is not when people give you attentions, likes, loves, or the little, you know, hearts. Oh, I care for you. It's not that. And I want you to understand that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make us godly. It's not just to make us good or make us great. And here's what I've seen is that people want to proclaim the message of Christ without developing the personality of Christ. You know, um, it's one of those things that um, I, I never, and, and please understand, like, and maybe you grew up in this era where I never felt this, I, I never had this shining light where God said, I'm calling you to preach. You're like, oh, that makes sense. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. You guys can. Um, I never had this burning desire to get on a stage and talk to people. There's, you got to be careful people who want to do that, who are always offering to get up and do that. That's dangerous, right? <laughs> And I think what, what happened, I saw this in like, so like in the world that I, I lived in, and like Bible, I said Bible college, I went to a, to a legit college, not like just a Bible college, but like college. But we all had this call to preach. And what happened is there were people who were, wanted to be called to preach from a stage, but they didn't have the personality of Christ, and they weren't developing that. They could develop good sermons, but they could not develop the personality of Christ in their life. And that's what I began to see. And I even noticed in my own life that I could, I could get really good at ministry and not love Jesus. And there were times that I look back in, my, in following the Lord and pastoring that, that I was on autopilot with my spiritual life. 
I was excusing behaviors in my life. I, was, you know, I wasn't enamored with the personality of Christ. I wanted a platform. I wanted to, to do work for Jesus, but not develop the personality of Jesus. And I tell you, that's where, where in, this, in the world, maybe you've heard this in the corporate world, it's when your character goes down as your gifting goes up, and that's dangerous. Why do you see guys in mega churches or whatever it is? Because, I mean, they're, they're most prominent, so you will see that. And you see these really large falls, moral failures, things that happen. Platform got bigger than the personality of Christ in them. Gifting got bigger than character. And can I tell you, in my life, I am focused on developing character, the personality of Jesus. And I want to share that gift with you. I want you to make that your purpose every day. And here's why. Here's why this is so important. We will undermine the pursuit and the power if we don't have the personality of Christ. That's what I said earlier. We will undermine the pursuit. Like we're, we're to pursue the mission of God, right? Share the gospel. Everywhere you're going, go. And as you're going, make disciples. Be witnesses to the end of the earth of Jesus and your Jesus story. That's what we're all called to do. And we're also called to use our gifts. As Pastor Brian said last week, right? You're gifted. God didn't save you to sit. God saved you to serve. Amen? He didn't save you to just come sit and listen to sermons. He saved you to, to, to serve, to get, to get in the game. But here's the problem. You can try to proclaim the message of Christ and you can serve. But if you don't have the personality of Christ, you'll undermine it all. And here's how I know that. My first experience with that was with a guy named Charlie. And uh, I worked at my dad's concrete company, and Charlie was a truck driver. And Charlie was a preacher. And Charlie was an adulterer and a fornicator <laughs> and owed everybody money. And it was at, all the men there were mad at Charlie because he owed them money and wouldn't pay him back. We had women showing up at this place of business ready to kill Charlie. Because he was cheating on, I mean, it was, he was just cheating on the, the people he was cheating on with. He, he was like the character of a preacher who would get up and preach and preach and preach and all that. Like, you know, and then he would just go and he, he had, did not have the personality of Christ. And here's how I know that you will undermine the pursuit and the power. Because when I got saved... And I would share with people about Jesus in my life. You know what I would get back? Well, what about Charlie? I can't listen to you because Charlie's life is so loud. I can't hear anything you're saying. And that's why you have to understand that for not only for us, if you want purpose, pursue godliness. Pursue and allow the Holy Spirit to do that. But if, if, if you really, really want to see the Lord move in your life, then make sure that your life isn't speaking so loud others can't hear the gospel. You know? And, and, and let me just say this. You're going to make mistakes in front of non-believers. You're going to act like a fool in front of non-believers. You will, you will do that. It's going to happen, right? Maybe it has happened for you. You're going to lose your temper, lose your cool, say things you shouldn't say. Like, it's going to happen. What do you do in those moments? You go back and you apologize to them and say, I'm really sorry. That, 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 that's not acceptable. And I really apologize. I have to do that on the basketball court. I'm just telling you. Because if I don't, I will undermine what the Lord wants to do. So what do you do? Write this down. Pursue godliness instead of greatness. Pursue godliness instead of greatness. 
And then Paul writes again to Timothy. This is his protege, the guy he's poured his life into, who's traveled with him. And he writes this letter. He says to him in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, he says, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be what? Godly. Physical training is good. Say good. Because I have so many people like, well, but Paul said physical training wasn't good. No, he did not. I don't need to go to the gym and all that. No, you, don't you take that out of context. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Training for godliness. You know how you do that? It's going to come through the spiritual disciplines. Now, I know the word discipline sounds bad, right? But what the spiritual disciplines are, they're, they're reading the scriptures. They're fasting. They're praying. They're corporate worship, community, confession of sin to other believers. All, all those are spiritual disciplines. Journaling. Those are all spiritual disciplines. And what those disciplines do is they help you to connect with Christ in you, the Holy Spirit. So what I do, one of my, my favorite disciplines, it is actually, there's two of them, but one is journaling. And I love to read the scripture and journal to hear what the Lord is saying to me about me. Not y'all. This is me and, me and Jesus. It's not for a sermon. I'm not going to, you know, this is not for the world. This is me and Jesus. If Kevin, what do you need to change today? And that's how I hear the Holy Spirit and experience the Holy Spirit. And guess what? That's how I become godly. Because God speaks to me and says, you need to change this. You need to work on this. And then I write a prayer out of what I need to do, and it holds me accountable to that. My other thing is also is Christian meditation, not like, you know, Eastern meditation. But I love to clear my mind to be still and know that he is God. And let, and just sense the oneness of the Holy Spirit with inside of me. I'll sit there in quietness. I'll sit there with ambient music. And I'll let the Lord speak to my heart about whatever he wants to bring up in my life. Spiritual disciplines are avenues for you to be able to experience the Holy Spirit and to become. That's how you train for godliness. You put yourself in a position where you can experience the Lord daily. And so how do you do that? There's two things I want you to take away today. Inspect your fruit. Say my fruit. There, amen, that's right. My fruit. Because what happens is, you know, he, he, the Holy Spirit, you know, it says this in Galatians 5.22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Fruit in our lives. He produces this kind of fruit. You and I all have fruit. And I think the problem is we start looking at everybody else's fruit. And we forget, forget about our own. You know what happens? Then we have rotten fruit in our lives. Because we're all looking at everybody. You know, you know I'm, I, my son, he got in this thing where he likes dragon fruit. I don't know why, because it has no taste to it. It's, it's, like the, it's like the rice cake of, of fruits. I don't know why. But I put Stevie on it for him. So it sweetens it up a little bit. He's convinced he loves dragon fruit. Yeah, you know, it's, I'll, I'll buy. Well, I bought it. You know how it is when, like, if you have a young child, you know this. Like, when... They will be on board for something. Like, it's the greatest thing ever. You buy, you know, 18 boxes of it, and the next day they don't want it anymore. I don't like that anymore. Like, oh. I have, I've, like, you know what? I have mortgaged your future on buying all this food. So I'm convinced you like this. You don't like it anymore. And that happened to kind of like the dragon fruit. Now he's kind of back on a little bit in the wagon. But I had this dragon, so I forgot about it. And it sat in the bag and rotted. I just didn't pay attention to it. And I looked at it, I was like, 
oh my Lord. Because I, I, was, I was just, I was busy doing other stuff. It was just sitting over there. Because I didn't stop to look at it, see how it was doing. Take time to inspect your fruit. It's not being judgmental to yourself. It's not being critical. You're not, you're not shaming yourself. You hear me? You're not bringing shame, but you are realistically saying, with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, these are the measures and markers of what a spirit-filled, spirit-led life looks like. If you're always offended and jealous and angry and, and you're always, I mean, man, there's a, a point in time, too, when we get to a certain age that we, we, we should have outgrown some of these things. Inspect your own fruit. Stop looking at everybody else's fruit. Stop pointing out everybody else's immaturities, but you can't point out your own and deal with them. Inspect your own. Deal with yourself. The second thing and final thing this morning is this. You're going to accept God's help. Because here's the deal. You cannot live out Christianity by you doing it better and working harder and trying harder. Now, do you have to put effort in? Yeah, there's some I mean, effort. But Christianity, I would, please, I say this over and over. I want you to, if you can remember anything from what I preached to you is this. It's not about trying harder. It's about surrendering more. It's about inspecting your fruit and saying, yeah, God, man, I really like stink in this area of maybe it's gentleness. Maybe I get really defensive to my spouse and you're just like, man, you know, I, I got to work on that. Maybe I go from zero to 100 to my children and I'm just not, I'm, I want to be more patient. Anything you want to be in that list, there's no way in your flesh you can do it by just trying harder. There's no way you can do it just by reading self-help books. It's by surrendering to the Holy Spirit inside of you and accepting His help. Say, Holy Spirit, produce this type of fruit in my life. Because this is not who I am. I grew up in a household where maybe you saw anger and you saw unkindness and comments and passive aggressiveness and you saw everything contrary Maybe you struggle with addictions, and maybe, you, maybe some of the men out here, maybe you have a pornography addiction nobody knows about. Can I tell you something? God will give you the help by the power of the Spirit to overcome those things. He can do in you what you could never do in yourself, and He can make you someone that you never would have believed that you could become, and you can't do it on your own. It's by surrendering. I'm going to do something a little backwards today. Usually I pray for all the believers, those who follow Jesus in the room. Then I invite those who don't know Jesus to be able to accept Christ. I want to do it backwards today. I want to give everybody an opportunity who doesn't know Christ to receive Christ. But then I also want to pray for everybody who does know Jesus in here today. But I want you, if you will, bow your head and close your eyes with me. And I want to talk to those in the room today and those who are online today about maybe if you don't know Christ and you want to receive Christ. So maybe today you're saying, man, my next step is either, either coming back to faith in Jesus, I walked away, or for the first time ever, you're going to surrender to Christ. Not come to church, not play a game, surrender to Jesus, he's your Lord. If that's you in here today, I want you to pray this prayer after me, right where you're sitting. It's the same prayer I prayed 23 years ago, transform my life. And it's this right here. You say, God, I need the Savior. I need Jesus. Today I surrender to Christ. I repent. I turn my old life, turn away from that old life, and I turn that over to you. I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe he died on the cross. And I believe he rose again on the third day. 
Today I confess Jesus as my Lord. Forgive me of all my sins. And thank you for the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. In Jesus' name. And as we're in this moment of prayer, guys, I just want to do this right here, right where you're sitting. I want you, if you can, and just to kind of just hold your hands out like, like, just like you're receiving. Just kind of put you just, just like you're going to receive something. Somebody's going to give you a gift. And we do this symbolically. I'm doing this right now as well because I want you to accept the help of the Holy Spirit to produce the type of fruit in your life, to receive, to accept the help of the Lord, to become what you never thought you could be, to overcome what you never thought you could overcome, by the power of the Spirit. And with us in this posture of receiving, I want to pray over everybody here who is a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. Father, right now, I pray for everyone in here. We all struggle in so many different areas, Lord. I pray, first of all, Lord, that you would not let shame overcome and keep them in cycles of defeat. I come against that in the name of Jesus this morning. I pray, Lord God, for the encouragement of the Spirit. But Father, I pray right now that we would accept your help that we would lift our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from and we would say, Holy Spirit, we surrender to the work you want to do in our lives to produce this kind of fruit. Produce it in us, Lord. And may today be a game changer for us. From this day forward, may it be a watershed moment for many that they invited the Holy Spirit to help them to overcome and to be what they never thought they could be. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. And it's your good name we pray. Amen. Amen.